HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska Seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, jumping in to tell you about this week's episode of Meat and Three, Heritage Radio Network's weekly food roundup. This week, we're introducing you to some amazing women taking a stand. So often, being sexually harassed feels like a loss of control, and so I wanted to have these very tangible guides to say, here's what you can do. Others are pushing for more diversity at major food industry events. I still feel really determined to do, you know, whatever I can to help shift that and in a direction that's not just more diverse, but more equitable. We also have a report on that summer business staple, the lemonade stand. The lemonade stand might be the purest form of starting a business. Low overhead, easy to get into, and requires little experience or special equipment. Don't miss Meat and Three, your weekly 15-minute food news roundup from HRN. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Search M-E-A-T plus sign T-H-R-E-E. And thanks, as always, for listening. Imagine if you could cut fresh microgreens onto your salad and eat it while the greens are still fresh and nutritious and delicious and alive. That dream is real on this episode of Tech Bites. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 165 countries around the world. That is a true fact. That is not a made-up fact. That is not exaggerated or inflated. It's for real. 165 countries. I love to say that. They are tuning in to listen to 35 live shows a week, including this one, Tech Bites, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We talk to influencers and innovators in the food tech space. If you are an influencer and an innovator, perhaps you are a startup founder in the food tech space and you want to be on the radio, or better yet, you want to be on the radio and live pitch your business to a VC guy for money, give us an email. Send us your deck 
to techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. We are actually looking for startups for our second live pitch show, which will happen on June 14th. Uh, two lucky startup companies will pitch Brooklyn Bridge Ventures founder and managing partner, Charlie O'Donnell. It's a lot of fun. It'll be our second one. We did one earlier this year. It was a huge success. We had lots and lots of submissions, and so we're going to do it again. So again, if you're a New York City-based food tech startup and you are pre-750K and you want to come on and pitch your business live on the show, email your pitch deck to techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. That's the public service announcement. Today, our innovators and influencers are two women who have just opened three days ago the very, very first microgreen salad fast food concept ag tech forward thing. It's pretty amazing. They have microgreens that are live and growing at the restaurant that they cut to order, harvest to order. Clever. And then you get to eat amazing, super fresh microgreens that are hydroponically grown at the peak of freshness, deliciousness, and nutritiousness. And given the big, big salad boom in the United States and the world, it's a kind of amazing to me that somebody hasn't done this already because it seems to make so much sense. Anyway, we will get to Harvest to Order right after we take care of our usual business, which is what's going on in Appland. So we have here today our two co-founders of Harvest to Order. We have Liz Vanknen, who is a repeat guest. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. And we have her co-founder, Shelly Golan. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. So, ladies, you know the drill. Do you have, uh, Liz, do you have an app that you really like right now that you're very enamored with, using all the time? Yeah, I learned my lesson last time I did my research. (laughs) Um, You know, I always tell guests when I talk to them before the show, the best way to prepare is to listen to one. Yeah, yeah. You can always tell who did their homework or not by people who are surprised. That's true. Um, So, I've been using this app called Canva. And it's basically a graphic design app. And what I love about it is that I'm not a really graphic design person. Usually leave that stuff up to Shelly. So it's made it really easy for me to design little posters, Instagram flyers, things that we need for uh, marketing purposes, for H2O, for our other company, and um, for our clients. And so we've we've made it really, uh, the app has made it really easy for me to kind of design what I need. And, and so I've been using it a lot lately. It's, it's pretty great. Can, it's C-A-N-V-A? That's right. Yeah. And it's free? It's free. Yeah. Uh, there are some like paid options, I think, for um, more intense like graphic design things. But for somebody as simple-minded as me, the, the free stuff works. <laughs> and you are using it on an iPhone? I don't have an iPhone. Oh, I'm using excellent. it on Android. Okay. Galaxy. So it's Android. Fantastic. Yeah. I think they also have it for iPhone as well, but I... Yeah, they do. I, they yeah. do. I've used it before. Yeah. So I'm using it on an Android because that's... Uh, I, I switched. Excellent. Ago. Okay. Good for you. Yeah. I, I, they have those... Uh, Samsung has those... Is it Samsung who has yes. the great commercials now of people who are just fed up with the iPhone and they switch at the end of the oh, commercial? Oh, do they? Yeah. I don't know. I don't have... Uh, cables. I don't really like no commercial things, but interesting. That sounds uh, that sounds interesting and and, and sounds about right. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was fed up with my iPhone battery life not lasting more than two hours. <laughs> exactly. There's a hack for that. Oh well. 
Shelly, do you have an app that you like right now? The, the only rules are you cannot talk about an app that you have designed, owned, or invested in. No danger of that uh, here today. You never know. You go, you ladies have a lot of hustle going oh, on. Oh, yeah. Well, so you here could very, today. <laughs> you could very easily have some app thing happening somewhere. Thank you. I appreciate that. And who knows? Indeed. Um, but yeah, as Liz said, I deal with a lot of our digital assets. I do a lot of content creation, video, and photography. And so right now, my most useful app that I do is um, my Dropbox app on my phone, especially as we're opening a new venture. A lot of different uh, visual assets have to be exchanged with a lot of different people from our publicists to our PR people to the food halls PR people to our sponsors who want content that we've produced. And uh, having Dropbox enables me to share and transfer a large quantity of visual assets very easily just with one click. I've covered my bases. Everyone has the visual content they need in order to um, promote our business. I like Dropbox very much. The only thing that's funny sometimes about it is people who aren't used to it and they think they can pull something down or take something and they don't realize that the files are communal versus yeah. a copied version for them. So that when they pull something down or they change something, then that pulls it down, that deletes it for everybody. <laughs> yeah, uh, luckily I haven't had that issue, although that does keep me awake at night sometimes. But what I do love about Dropbox is the fact that there is ownership. So I, as the owner of the assets, can decide who has access to download or to edit or to share. And so if I don't want anyone to mess with the files, I just make sure that that particular person doesn't have the ability to delete a very important piece of uh, photography or video content from the entire folder. No! A lot of things <laughs> keeping us awake at night. <laughs> also... A part of the Tech Bytes team, we have in the booth at Mission Control, Vitor Hirsch, who's our engineer. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. So you have a very busy day on Thursday. We used to be the very first show on the Thursday roster at 11 a.m., but there is a new show in town at 10 a.m. The main course, yeah. OG, OG, right? OG. It's the new version, yeah. The main course is Patrick Martin's first first show ever he's the founder of heritage radio and also the founder and owner of heritage foods usa and his original show was the main course many many moons ago and he decided to get back in the game and make a comeback yeah well it's fun it's a great show yeah yeah so that's 10 a.m on thursdays 10 a.m thursdays yeah and then afterwards on demand on heritageradionetwork.org itunes stitcher spotify all your favorite podcasting platforms that's right but it is a fun show they ha always have big groups of people uh lots of really uh dynamic animated conversation i would say it's a good way it's a good way to wake up yeah for sure <laughs> so vitor do you have an app for us today yeah um this week i sold some stuff online and I, I i like selling things on apps they usually i get people to buy my used things on apps more than i do on craigslist or you know talking to friends and stuff or facebook even so uh this week i used a, an app called reverb which is specific to instruments uh, musical instruments okay and audio equipment um so yeah so that's um uh, for me it's super handy because everybody who's there is looking for the stuff that i have which is audio a lot of you know microphones and um and instruments and everything so and there's a lot of uh good used gear there too so i've, I've bought stuff from there too specialty marketplace yep 
do they also have records? I don't think so. It's mostly equipment. Just equipment. Yeah. Just equipment and instruments. Right. Very interesting. Can you spell it for us? Yeah. R-E-V-E-R-B. And is it only an app or is it also a website it's and a, a desktop web, thing? It started as a, as a website, I believe, and then it, it became an app. Um, yeah, but it's cool. Um, and the, yeah, in the audio community, it's huge. People seem to like it a lot. Excellent. Yeah. That's what digital internet apps are good for, the super niche thing. It's the, I, I feel like digital life is the bestest for things that are hyper-specific. So my app is a little bit of a uh, summer blockbuster tip. I don't know why it took me so long to discover this. I know I am very, very late to the game, but can we talk about the AMC Stubbs app? Oh, yeah. Which you can now buy $5 tickets on Tuesday to any movie. You used to previously have to go to the theater in person to physically buy the $5 tickets on Tuesday, which is okay, but that limits your seating choice. And now you can do it in the app, which is amazing. So any movie, you do have to pay a premium of an extra $4 if it's IMAX or 3D or something like that. But for those of you who are from one of those 165 countries who are not New York City based, you may not know, it's about 20 bucks to go to, to get a ticket to a movie in Manhattan and New York City, which is very expensive. So yeah, if it stopped there, that'd be great. Popcorn is another 20 and soda is another like right. whatever. You end up going to the movies and spending 100 bucks. It's crazy. So $5 for a movie ticket. I saw Deadpool 2 on Tuesday this week for $5. I was so happy. <laughs> That's a good In a idea. reserved recliner seat. It was amazing. It's less than coffee. You oh, know? yeah. So fantastic. So especially now, summer blockbuster season, why would you ever go to a movie on a night other than a Tuesday? It's true. I'm still riding the movie pass wave to see how far oh, I can get yeah. with that. But I've been, a, I've been an AMC Stubbs member long before movie pass came on the scene. So that's my standby. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. So there you go, people. And then it makes you less mad if you see a movie like Avengers Infinity Wars if right. you only paid $5. Right. Yeah. Let's not start. Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm a fan of the universe, but yeah. Yes, me too. But $5 makes it better. Indeed. <laughs> so as I mentioned at the top of the show, Harvest to Order, that's Harvest number two, Order. If you were going to shorten it, that's H2O. Very clever. Again, it's a really interesting concept. I think we've all, if you've been out in the world for the past 10 years, there's a lot of fast, casual salad health concepts. We have the Just Salad, Sweet Green, even things like Dig In. Everybody's about farm to counter, farm fresh, local, healthy, delicious. This is the first time that the farm is actually in the restaurant. They have hydroponically grown salad that is brought in daily from a farm in Long Island. It sits in these very uh, futuristic looking shelves with high-tech grow lights and it sits there and continues to grow until you order it and then they cut it and put it onto a salad or some toast if you're into that. And then you eat it. And it's pretty amazing. And um, I was out there on the opening day, which was Tuesday of this week. Um, Today is Thursday, May 31st, 2018, for those of you listening in the future. So Tuesday was the 29th. It's pretty delicious. Thank you. And pretty fresh. And it's, you know, you can noticeably taste 
like the greenness and the, the crunch and the texture of it. I would say that, you know, I like lettuce, I like greens and things like that, but they have a very two-dimensional kind of quality to them. Everything's very flat mm-hmm. yeah. um, and very, you know, leaves, obviously, very flat. But the microgreens were very, uh, like, three-dimensional, like chewier, more to get in on. And then also, I mean, really super green tasting and very, very fresh. Right. So normally when you get greens, most people aren't a huge fan of the stem, um, which is the part that has most of the flavor. I mean, when you, like, pick off the, you know, leaves from a parsley stem and throw away the stem, you're throwing away the part that has the most flavor. So microgreens have this mostly stemmy kind of approach, and they have little, little leaves at the top. They're very cute. Um, And what that essentially adds is texture. And I'm a texture freak, so that's one of the original things that hooked me onto microgreens. So... This seems to be a natural evolution of all the different, uh, of a couple different food trends. One is the hydroponic growing. One is, you know, salad and fresher, fresher, fast, casual, um, sustainability, local ingredients. How did the idea coalesce for the project? Well, Liz and I, um, as, as you know, but uh, to our reader, uh, listeners out there, we co-founded a company called Our Name is Farm, uh, that, which is a food and farm-focused media and marketing company. And um, we joined two years ago the New York City Ag Collective, which is a collection of people in New York City who are either running their own urban farms or working in nonprofits that promote urban agriculture. And we met through that a lot of local vertical farmers, uh, many of them here in Brooklyn. So suddenly we had this entree, if you will, to an entire universe of uh, growing things that we hitherto had not seen before. So suddenly we were visiting these farms that were growing hydroponic microgreens. And it was our first time seeing microgreens being grown physically in, in mass. Usually we would buy them in smaller very expensive quantities at the green market, or you would see them a few uh, leaves here and there if you went to a very fancy like fine dining restaurant. Or maybe see them at a juice bar or something. Yeah. A very expensive Always juice like bar a specialized. Where you, like, cut a few and put it in. Always a garnish, a never the main smoothie. course. Right, yeah. exactly. And so with our access to these microgreens, we started eating them in handfuls, in handfuls as our own salads. And the benefits were immediately clear to us, not only the flavor, but the nutrition. A microgreen on average has about 40 times more nutrition than their fully mature counterparts. And learning more about the farming aspect of it, we were shocked at how much it made sense as a product in terms of the growth cycle. So microgreens take between seven and 10 days to reach their maturity as microgreens. So you have a very fast turnaround time with much fewer resources than it would take for uh, growing a full term vegetable, if you will, in a hydroponic setting. So all of these things were percolating in our heads and we found that we couldn't find access to microgreens in any other place. Uh, And for anyone who didn't have friends who were vertical farmers in the city close to them, there wasn't a way for them to access like a, a delicious salad of microgreens unless they physically went in. People who have friends who are vertical Indoor farmers. Yes. That's got to be an extremely small demographic. We're working on an app for that. It's going to be a connect (laughs) between. (laughs) No, no, thanks. (laughs) I can can see it being a very small Facebook group. 
you yeah. know, like 17. Yeah, maybe like 17, 20 people. Uh, you could all hang out in it's one room. It's called the New York City Agriculture Collective. It's called the New York City yeah. Agriculture Collective. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's really what uh, what was the impetus for us coming up with this concept of we think it's so great and we are trying to get other people in our circle to understand why it's so great. But as with, I think, all really great ideas, we came up with this because it had to meet a need that we felt that we needed. Which is the classic inventor-entrepreneur scenario. I want something. It doesn't exist I'm going to make it. Exactly. And I'm going to hope that there are enough people out there who are like-minded, who want this thing too, to make it successful. Fingers crossed. We did a show um, earlier, I think it was last year, episode 119, Mini Farms Inside of Restaurants, and it was with Smallhold Farms, mm-hmm. which is a indoor mushroom farming company. Yep. And they have a small mushroom farm installation down at Mission Chinese restaurant in New York. And so they are growing mushrooms for the mushroom fried rice and, you know, bunches of other things, which is fascinating. So that's a, that's another sort of similar idea for a very specific menu item and also sit down more, you know, traditional dining. So maybe, I mean, you would think that this is the beginning of of seeing something new. You know, to your point earlier about how you didn't really see microgreens in a really diverse environment. We know what microgreens are in terms of how they grow. What is hydroponically grown, though? There is a, a... I went out to see the restaurant on Tuesday and on the menu it says aqua and hydroponic and there's aquaponics and hydroponics there's a lot of ponics happening in the indoor vertical farming thing right do you think people are going to understand what hydroponic is do you think you need to start to educate people a little bit about what that means also yeah so we're in the soft open right now but a hard open is on Monday and by then we hope to have a little bit more in terms of signage for what hydroponic farming is and what microgreens are and why we've chosen to use microgreens. Um, so we'll have that up. Uh, Shelly's also putting together a really awesome video that's going to be uh, living on our website and on a tablet at the booth so that people can kind of see the whole um, hydroponic growing method, what it's like for us to get these greens from uh, Coppercrest in Riverhead, Long Island every day. Uh, using Baldor as our distributor and kind of bringing that in and and really educating people on on what the product is. But yes, hydroponics is definitely something that is foreign to most people. But I think that most people don't even know like it, there's not enough um, information about it. But for example, the average shopper will be at Whole Foods and maybe grabbing some Gotham Greens, like not knowing that Gotham Greens is grown hydroponically. I don't think the average shopper is at Whole Foods. Well, yeah, I mean, the average I mean, shopper... At the average shopper is not at Whole Foods. Right. So it's it's just... I meant the people who are shopping, let's say, at like Whole Foods in the city would have access to that already, kind of not knowing that they're buying something hydroponic. And Well, let's, let's back up a little bit. Okay. What are you going to include in your informational video? How are you going to explain what hydroponic is to people? And as a sidebar, what's the difference between hydroponic and aquaponic? Because isn't it all water? It is all water. The difference between hydroponic and aquaponic is aquaponic uh, includes the addition of raising aquatic animals into your food system. So hydroponic means that you're growing 
plants uh, not in a traditional soil environment where the roots are anchored in soil and you water them and they get sunlight. You're uh, get, giving them the nutrients through nutrient-dense water, oftentimes uh, that is injected into a substrate. So it's not grown in soil. There's none of the um, soil pathogens. Food safety-wise, it makes a lot more sense because you use a sterile, clean substrate. Our substrate that we're using for our greens is a wood fiber. It's like a wood pulp. And uh, that's what the greens are growing in. That's what the roots are anchored in. And you run nutrient-dense water through uh, that substrate. And the plant seeds themselves of the microgreens contain enough nutrients inside to sustain the growth up until the microgreen stage. So this is basically a super tech, super science version of if anyone has ever taken a paper towel put water onto it, sprinkled some seeds of some kind onto it and let those germinate and grow into stuff. That's basically hydroponic. Yeah. Sort of. In ex- a, pretty much. I in mean, a very basic sense. You have a super wood paper towel kind of layer. You have super nutritious water, but that's basically what it is. Yeah. It's the, the ingredients of growing plants remain the same. You have nutrients, it's you have the light. Plant. It's the plant. Yes. There's <laughs> the no, light. we're not growing something fake. Uh, we're using controlled environment agriculture, which is shortened to CEA, to uh, enable us to grow nutritious products in environments that either can't support the size of traditional farms. Farms take up a lot of space. They grow horizontally. And so doing things vertically in indoor spaces enables us to increase the uh, yield per square footage. And we can emulate optimal growing conditions for plants uh, using the lights that we have and the nutrients that we have. So you could grow things in non-arable land, in buildings, on rooftops, wherever. It really puts a different spin on eat local. Yes. Because, and it also puts a different spin on the whole concept of terroir and regionality and those kinds of things. Yeah. It kind of... Um, it provides a new lens from which to look at what does it mean to eat local and what does it mean uh, to, you know, hashtag eat clean. Uh, what is transparency when you can physically harvest your own product? Um, and what does it what does a good product mean? For us, it means growing it in the best possible way, giving it exactly what that baby plant needs to thrive. Well, We are going to take a quick break and find out how we make Heritage Radio Network thrive. You may not know, but we are a 501c3 nonprofit. We're kind of like public radio. We subsist entirely on the generosity of our members, underwriters, and grants. Today, the sponsor is Alaska Seafood, which is an amazing terroir space place where delicious amazing natural things come from so let's take a listen and see what we have to discover in alaska stay with us what it takes to swim a coastline longer than the entire eastern seaboard and leap tall waterfalls in a single bound. 
What does it take to survive 200 feet deep in icy saltwater? What would you be made of? Wild Alaska seafood is made of tight muscle mass, long chain omega-3s, and incredible micronutrients. It matters where your food comes from. Experience the flavor of the fittest in every bite and enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. Ask for Alaska on the menu, grocery store, or smart device. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. Well, if you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today that intersection is a brand new fast casual restaurant called Harvest to Order, which just opened this week in the North 3rd Street Market in Williamsburg. It's very exciting. It's super fresh news. It's a super fresh restaurant. We love to be first here on Tech Bites. If you want to find out more about Harvest to Order, go to harvest2order.com. You can find them at social media at Harvest to Order. We are talking with co-founders Shelly Golan and Liz Vanknin. If you want to follow Shelly, she is at Shell Master Flex, which gives me a little bit of an 80s retro feeling, which we'll talk about after the show. Or you can follow Liz at Chef Liz Vanknin, V-A-K-N-I-N. One of the interesting things about their harvest to order concept, there's a lot of interesting things. Um, it really is the first um, fast casual concept, really the first concept I think where the farm is actually in the restaurant. You know, we hear a lot of like farm to counter, farm to dish, farm to kitchen, farm to plate. Well, it's actually farm in the restaurant, which is fascinating. But the other thing which is worth mentioning, um, is that it is a business that is 100% women-owned, financed, designed, operated, and marketed. You have like a, a great team of, of women on this project. Was that intentional? Did it just happen because the best folks to be in the slots were women? Did you want to make a women, 100% women business? So Shelly and I, obviously... Two women. Two you women. have a women-owned business together. <laughs> That's right. Um, Danny, our publicist, um, works with us at Our Name is Farm as well. So she just kind of transferred over as our publicist for H2O. And Courtney joined us um, because she's just amazing. And uh, we were talking because her and I sit on the board for another nonprofit in the city called Teens for Food Justice, also part of the New York City Agriculture Collective. And um, Courtney comes from a background of sustainability consulting at Morgan Stanley. And so bringing her on as a CFO type role really made sense because that's what she'd been doing in a larger corporate setting. And since we're a small company that's looking to expand quickly, having somebody with that type of consulting, especially from the sustainability perspective, was really important to us um, as much as we would like to scale quickly. We don't want to be one of those companies that scales quickly and then folds quickly because they didn't do it properly. So having the people at our side that have the experience to do so from a larger um, perspective, from a corporate perspective, like Courtney, really um, helps. And yeah, I just think it was by chance. Um, 
that that we we had that arrangement. Yeah. So, is that something that you intend to continue, or is it going to be luck of the draw? Do you see the first dude coming on to the org chart at some point, or do you like the fact that in your press materials and on your pitch deck it says a hundred percent? women-owned, financed, designed, operated, and marketed, which I found compelling. Yeah, I mean, we love that, of course. Um, There are a lot of opportunities in food um, that I think are growing for women specifically, and um, being able to kind of focus on that uh, has been a a really important part of Our Name is Farm for the last five years, um, and will definitely continue to be a focal point for, for H2O. Uh, that doesn't mean that we won't have, you know, dudes helping. Um, and we already do kind of. We have, um, you know, prep cooks that are helping us in the back of house. Um, intern coming soon. An inter- a new intern coming soon for the first time. Uh, we've only had female interns until now. Um, and, yeah, like, we're we're pretty open, I think, but our goal is to stay the majority owned, majority owned and operated by women. So at the... At the uh Director, manager, partner, yes, C-suite yeah. level, ideally, yeah. Yeah. and also leadership, brain, yeah. brain trust, yeah, that kind good, of thing. good yeah. brains. I also think that we have a lot of women working with us because a lot of women seek us out because we're a women-owned business. So as much as so it, it happens is, naturally, it does happen. Like what Liz said is absolutely correct because we are a women-owned business. Women seek us out, and they're amazing, and we want them on our team, and so it's a very nice loop. Is there any, so you have, with your business, Our Name is Farm, worked with other restaurants. You've worked with people opening restaurants and opening businesses in the past. This is the first business that you own? Yes. We sort of have like slightly large eyes and. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've had like long-term pop-ups before. Nothing that was this permanent um, that we planned on extending for a long period of time. Um, and I think the move for us on that end was literally just to be able to reach a larger, a larger audience. Um, through our experiential activations with Our Name is Farm, uh, we've reached a lot of people, but it's very hard to track the progress. Um, and, and not being able to, to track different events or different programs or different people because of the variety and because of the differentiating um, aspects of each event and, and what you know they demand and what they focus on um, was really challenging. And so setting this up in part was to expand uh, our mission of increasing access to an education about local wholesome food. And harvest dating is one of those things. I mean, when you buy uh, milk, you know, even at the grocery store, it'll have a sell-by date. And um, when you're buying vegetables, it'll have a sell-by date. And the question that you really should be asking is when were they harvested, these vegetables? Because vegetables, the minute you take them away from their life source, they start to decompose and they lose their nutritional shelf life. And so when you're eating a salad anywhere, um, even at home or outside, you need to ask yourself where the stuff came from. Because if you really do want to eat healthy, it's not just eating vegetables. Obviously, it's you know still better than eating red meat every day or whatever else your doctor or nutritionist will tell you. But it's not as amazing as being able to really know um, that your food was harvested uh, within a a certain amount of time to allow for the maximum nutrition to kind of enter your body and to be absorbed. The whole sell-by date thing is very controversial in some aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a myriad of points of view about it, ranging from it's just something to uh, encourage people to buy things more frequently uh, something to protect 
producers and businesses from, you know, potential lawsuits and things like that. Of course. Um, you know, it, it also at, is- at some point, you know, the product becomes less than 100 percent, um, still OK, but not 100 um, percent. I have a friend who is a voracious, amazing home cook who never throws anything away who bakes with, you know, kind of milk past the expiration date and all that kind of stuff and nothing ever Yeah, I happens. think the average American consumer needs that because they aren't able to tell what is fresh and what isn't. And I think it, from a food safety perspective, it, it is important. Um, of course, I understand that it also leads to a lot of food waste because it's not true that most of the time, um, you know, when you have something as a sell-by date, that if you go a few days after, like, nothing will really happen mm-hmm. to you. Um, so, Especially when it's something like yogurt that's right. on-premise already. Kind of tangy and yeah. Already sour. sort of rotten and fermenting yeah, and exactly. all that kind of stuff. Exactly. I mean, in a strictly... Or even in a very expensive steakhouse, you order, you pay premium for a dry aged beef, and that's just beef that's been like hanging out. People don't realize that they're going to cut the mold off before they cook it. Yeah, it it does not look good. Crusty layer. Yeah, Yeah, it smells kind of funky too. Totally, but kind of nasty. Yeah, it's funny. It's a funny uh, standard. So with H2O, what we managed to do is is really show people, you know, we're sourcing seasonally we try to source locally but we're definitely sourcing domestically for our products and um the microgreen part of it is really kind of the focal point because regardless of anything else that we do these microgreens have so much nutrients so many nutrients in them that they are nutritious enough on their own right so if you just ordered a salad with dressing and no toppings or no dressing even because honestly they taste good enough on their own um you would get this insane uh, boost of energy after eating them. It's, they're just such a superfood, and they're just so packed in nutrients. And I always use the example of of like a microgreen kale. Let's say people um, eat a lot of kale, and when you're chopping it up at home, I mean, you can only eat a few of those big leaves because they're kind of filling. Um, each of those little microgreens is destined to be a big kale stem, and you you can only eat so many of those mature green uh, kale stems before you get full. But with a microgreen kale you can eat a whole bowl of them and so you're getting this nutritional like you know slap to the face kind of thing where you're just like totally waking up after eating an entire bowl of them because you're getting all the nutrients that you would from these you know hundreds or whatever it is little microgreen stems uh in your bowl as opposed to the few kale stems that you'd be eating in your regular salad the one question that i do have having been out to see the shop and the shelves with the microgreen plants and cutting them into the bowls it almost didn't seem like you had enough shelf space for enough microgreens to do any really significant business numbers that you need to do to make business numbers. Right. So I, there's definitely like a limitation to how much we can serve right now. But I think that we're overcoming that, first of all, by allowing for multiple deliveries. Um, and so we... So your microgreens are delivered from the Long Island farm every morning? Every morning. And we uh, are going to schedule for multiple deliveries when we get busier. Uh, but right now, our farm capacity holds about um, several hundred salads per day. In the shop? In the shop. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's it's enough. Um, and if we get multiple of those, we can reach several thousands. Um, and so obviously, <laughs> we're a long way from there because we just opened. But, um, you know, that's our goal. And we... we we worked with Agritecture Consulting to design a farm that, that made sense. Microgreens are smaller, so they might look like they take up a bunch of space when you have, like, a lot of them, but they also... Um, they feed a lot. They feed a lot, yeah. It, 
So I know this is only day three of the business, although I know you've been planning this and working on this for much longer. 15 months. 15 months. What's the game plan for the next six months, 12 months? What's your, what's your scale model look like? Right. So we're going to be introducing catering in a little bit. Um, and for that, we're going to have options for greens that we'll harvest right before we send it over. Or you could also opt for live trays if you want to harvest them in your office, uh, if that's something that your uh, employees are interested in doing. Um, we're also going to be launching a meal prep service. Uh, that you can pick up at the at the location in Brooklyn. Uh, we might offer a delivery option. We haven't really talked about that yet, but basically it's kind of like a Blue Apron type thing, but it's already prepped for you, and since it's salad, you don't really have to cook it, and we'll be um, offering live green chays for you to take home so you can harvest your greens to order when you're ready to eat them. Um, and that's something that we're going to be doing from the shop, obviously in limited uh, quantities and, and maybe you know, kind of growing with that in a different way. Um, and then for the long term, obviously we want to open up more locations, but we're also looking into um, like a vending machine concept where we could uh, have salad vending machines at really busy office buildings or co-working spaces. Um, and of course, the microgreens won't be harvested to order, but they'll be harvested that morning. And so it's still better and more nutritious than any salad you could get in New York City. Yeah. A further, Do, sorry. Does that already exist in Japan? Uh, I feel like <laughs> Japan is the, the number not, one vending, on it. <laughs> game des- uh, vending machine destination, that their vending machine game is... It's unreal. Yeah, their vending Unparalleled. Although I have to say, I just saw a cheese vending machine from my friend who went to Montreal, and that was, like, pretty exciting. I wish there were cheese huh? vending machines in, in the city. They have... Uh, they, I mean, they've upped the vending machine game in... Um, the New York City airports, which I'm impressed with. Yeah. Where you can spontaneously purchase from a vending machine, you know, clothes from Uniglow or mm, um, there's Benefit Cosmetics has one. Best Buy has one. Makes yeah, a lot Sephora of sense. has one. It totally makes yeah. sense, especially with all the things you can't take through security now. Yeah, or the right. stuff that you get lost in your luggage. Exactly. Um, or, uh, you know, surprise inclement weather or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Vending machine. So does this vending machine exist or is this something that you... There are a few options. Create. There's um, a regular refrigerated vending machine that we could use. Um, and then there's another company out in San Francisco um, that our publicist just found uh, at the National Restaurant Association so uh, last week uh, that has an option for you to kind of put in your ingredients um, and, and fill kind of different canisters. And then when somebody comes to the vending machine, they can choose their toppings. And those toppings are immediately dispensed into a bowl with the dressing uh, and kind of curated to order so that you're not really having these salads that are already pre-made. Yeah, pre-made. Getting in soggy. Yeah, and yep. he has a few already in, in place in San Francisco, so we're hoping to kind of connect with him and, and open some of those in, in New York City and, and hopefully expand after that. Well, that sounds very interesting. If you have that conversation, definitely give us a shout because that yeah, sounds we'll do. really like a lot of fun, the salad vending machine. Oh, yeah. And we can have you back again on the show because this is all the time we have for this show believe it or not if you again um, want to check out harvest to order they are in the north third street mall in williamsburg they were in the new york times food section on wednesday which is very exciting in florence fabricants off the menu column If you want to listen to some more great episodes about indoor farming, you can check out episode 119, which was about smallhold mushroom farms and Mission Chinese food. If you want to hear 
more uh, from Liz about business and food business. She was on episode 92. It was a food business boot camp, which was kind of interesting. We like to do boot camp episodes every now and again on Tech Bytes' sort of public service episodes where people can get some tools to solve some of their day-to-day challenges if they are food business owners and entrepreneurs. If you like the show, come back and see us every Thursday at 11 a.m. If you want to take it with us, you can find us on heritageradionetwork.org or iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and pretty much every single podcasting platform there is. If you want to get in touch with us because you have a great idea for a story, you want some more information about something you heard, you want to come on the show, we're very interactive. Send us an email, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. You can find us on social media at techbyteshrn. If you really, really loved it and you can't live without it, think about becoming a member, a private person member, a business member, or maybe an underwriter. If you would like to sponsor this show, give us a shout. I'm Jennifer Leitze. This is Tech Bytes. for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.